This is a Looney Studios podcast. Hello and welcome to Ayurd Tales. I'm Hunter Looney. Ayurd Tales is a fantasy role-playing game that takes place on the planet of Ayurd around a renaissance period of that world. This episode is meant to summarize what took place in Season 1. Before we started publishing the podcast episodes, um, the podcast episodes, this story with Salvazar and Gamori had already started in a home game. And even if you listen to all of Season 1, I try to go a little more in depth here on what they spoke about in Episode 1 of Season 1. Uh, I'm going to summarize the story so far, so needless to say, but I will anyway. Spoilers ahead for Season 1. The planet of Ayurd is surrounded by rings that bisected at the equator. The island of day that our adventurers currently find themselves on is about 14 degrees north of the equator. From this point on the planet, the rings stretch magnificently across the sky. We join a bipedal cat-like humanoid, which are called Pumanoids, in the town of Cabrillo Port. His name is Salvazar Siva I. He's played by Noah. He's currently 18 years old at this point, and just three days ago he left his hometown of Usain on his Andala quest. He has light gray fur and black stripes, and stands at 5'8 with blue eyes, and is dressed in hide armor with a cloak on. He has the cloak's hood up and a mask halfway up his face. He is equipped with various bladed weapons on his person and a short bow. He is currently in the dock area looking for passage on a ship. He finds a thick, four-foot-tall dwarga named Captain Jack Beardigans. He offers cheap passage on his ship in the cargo hold and says there's a couple others traveling in that manner. Salvazar boards the ship and finds his way to the cargo hold. In the cargo hold, he meets Gamore Willowspire Galdor, played by Leah. Gamore is Annaleaf, which in Ayurd is a bipedal humanoid with pointy ears. She stands at 5'9 with khaki-colored skin and brown eyes. Her species are considerably long-lived, but she is currently only 32 years old. She has dark brown hair, that has some natural teal blue streaks through it. She is wearing some hide armor as well, with a cloak and hood too. She is equipped with a wand, which is currently in her wand holster, a rapier, and a longbow. Very low-key introductions are made between the two, and the ship eventually sets sail. A day co- goes, a day comes and goes, and then around the middle of the second day of travel. From the cargo hold, our adventurers feel the boat begin to start rocking violently, and it gets really dark. A crewman member runs into the room and tells them a weird storm has come up and to brace themselves, but it should be fine. They brace themselves, and after some time in the storm, they get tossed really hard against the wall and are knocked out. Somehow, Gamore awakes on a shore, and she sees Salvazar's lifeless body lying about 30 or so feet away. Gamore performs some chest compressions and he comes to. 
Neither individual knows where they are, but we do. They are on Anfang Island. This island is usually deserted. They come across a giant crab picking at a dead body of what looks to be a crew member of the ship they were on. They kill the crab, and Gamore harvests some acid-like stuff from the mouth of the crab. They continue their exploration by heading into the woods. They end up entering a clearing at the same time as a pair of goblins enter, it while they're carrying a body. They tried diplomacy, but a fight ensues. One of the goblins is killed, and the other surrenders. They retrieve some information from the goblin. Uh, that they were hired to retrieve bodies that washed up on shore, and then take them to the temple at the center of the island. They all start heading towards the center of the island, and after a while, they make camp. Our adventurers get distracted while looking off in the distance at the temple, which is still a ways away, and cooking up some crab claws, some giant crab claws. The goblin is able to escape, they set up camp for the night and awaken to continue their trek to the temple. They enter a clearing where an armored skeleton is leaning against a tree. A black dog is currently chewing on one of its arm bones. They discern that the individual was once Sir John Eisvindnik. Upon closer inspection, the black dog does not like that they are this close to the bones and says so. A little caught off guard by the talking dog, but our... Adventurers converse with the dog and learn that their name is Layla. Right before leaving the clearing, Gamori asks Layla to join them, and they agree if there is meat involved. Our adventurers, including Layla now, move on to the temple. They find hooded figures there who attempt to kill our adventurers, and they are dispatched, and after closer investigation, it is found that the individuals are harvesting some black liquid. It seems to be from people, maybe. Our group heads out of the temple and proceeds to the northeast because they hear there is a small dock there. There they are able to sneak their way onto a small boat by paying off the individual who operates the boat. They eventually dock in King's Port. They rent a couple of rooms in a tavern and have an earnest conversation about whether to travel together. Salvazar and Gamore decide to travel together, whereas Layla thanks them for getting them to the mainland and says they will head to John's son's city and if the two of them ever come into the city to say hello. Layla leaves in the morning. Gamore and Salvazar head about town to get supplies. Salvazar buys a magic 101 book to start learning some magic. He also gets, a, gets to a weapon store to make them create him a prototype of a giant collapsible shuriken and participates in a match at the Fighters Guild. They set out heading towards Bristles, but stop to have lunch in Blunttown. Upon arriving in Bristles, they find out that it is what is known as a twin town. Half of the town belongs to the port province that they've been traveling in, whereas the other half belongs to the country of Desmodon. Desmodon is ruled by two queens who are also vampires. On the Desmodon side of Bristles, they visit a pub that is run by a vampire named Dugo Cree. He asks if they would uh, be interested in selling some of their blood. He uses a plebotomy kit to extract the blood and pays them pretty good for it. He has two bits of information that he shares with them. One, his brother has gone missing, 
He last heard he was outside of the city of Desmodon, the old capital of this country, which is a day's ride north of here. The second is that the queens are visiting that city and have put out a message for strong adventurers that are interested, and I quote, are invited to the manor in the town so that they, they can have them for dinner. Initially put off by this, our adventurers still decide to head towards Desmodon. On the way between Bristles and Desmodon, they encounter some thieves on the road. They handily defeat them and send them on their way, to hopefully not try to steal again. They arrive in Desmodon and decide to approach the manor. They encounter Lynn Blesk, who is guarding the gate to the manor. Lynn Blesk is a electricity Illuma, which is an elemental nymph. She stands at six foot two, they will later find out that she is Princess Shay's bodyguard and friend. Uh, her skin and hair are electric blue color with cracks and scars on her skin that glow a brighter white blue. Her species can usually fly, and they find out later that is the case for her. She is also dressed in a black sleeveless light armor with black pants, and she carries a sword and wand, both of which are sheathed and holstered. Lynn speaks with them and goes into the manor and returns and says, Dinner tonight will work. They explore the city and then meet back there for dinner. They sit down for dinner with Queen Zun Ali, Queen Akifa Ali, and Princess Shay Ali, and Lynn Blesk is there as well. The queens and the princess are all humans and are all vampires. Queen Akifa Ali is about 500 years old, has light sepia brown skin, and stands at 5 foot 6. Queen Zun Ali is about 450 years old, and has fair tawny brown skin, and stands at 5 feet tall. Princess Shay Ali with, has warm sepia brown skin, she stands at 6 feet tall, and the right side of her head is shaved with the rest having dark brown, almost black hair. She wears sleeveless light armor top with a black and cobalt blue accents and black pants. And she has two different types of swords on her person, a wand and a small bag attached to her waist. The queens are dressed in nice but casual wear, which is a little relaxed considering they are the queens of this country. The queens ask of their adventures and it appears this is the purpose of those flyers to get to listen to stories. And the reason they word it as have you for dinner is a joke for them and keeps away boring people too. Our group tells them about the island and what all happened. Shay's interest is piqued, so she offers them a job if they can complete her training dungeon. They accept and the next morning they head there. They complete the dungeon, but while in it find Matatu Kree, brother of the pub owner, who had somehow made his way in here and had gotten trapped. They help him out and send him on his way. Shay asks if they'll work with her to travel through the United Provinces of Day to investigate if there are anyone else working to get whatever this black liquid is, inform others of what's happening, and help people along the way. They accept. They set off with her and Lynn to John's Sun City, which is located in the Port Province. Our adventurers make it to John's Sun City. A bunch of things happen. 
Salazar is given a letter by somebody from the Thieves' Guild. They have a meeting with the leadership of the province and acquire a magic teacher for Salazar. The letter that, the letter that Salazar receives says the following. For Salazar Siva's eyes only. Shadows to you from Usain. I hope this letter finds you well and that your Ondala quest has provided many opportunities for assassination and thieving jobs. Remember that the Saka clan strictly prohibits the use of magic and working with others. Our clan only allows for our members to be assassins and thieves at work alone. We must work in the shadows. Remember our creed. Work in the shadows we must to help mold a world that is just. We have made it our goal that no magic ruins our souls. Some of the Saka clan has been lost throughout the years on their Andala quest of adulthood to the temptation of magic and companionship. The path of the Saka clan is a vacillation. In just the last group to leave on their quest, remember that Mushok was lost to the temptations of the world. She began using magic and sought to be a hero. You know that she is no longer welcome back with the Saka clan and in Yusin. Come see me when you return. I look forward to hearing of your work in the shadows. Shadows to you, Quaitus, Town Elder. Even after this letter, Salazar looks for and finds a magic teacher, Pox Strano, a corgi person that used to be a professor at the Awa Arcane Art School in Johnson City. He says he'll teach Salazar magic for free, lodging, and food because he wants to travel and see other places. Shay says that she's arranged a meeting with the province's leadership, and they enter the castle to meet with the governess and two governors, Suha, Manuel, and Hasna, who are all married to one another and rule together. They say they are placing Layla in charge of the investigation around the port province. Apparently they know Layla, and with this province being looked into, they head towards the Vatten province. Luca is the first city on their way to Vatten. It is right on the edge of the port province, and Salazar decides to purchase a Firefox from the familiar store. He eventually names him Barnaby. They arrive in Amanzi. This town is located on the edge of the Vatten province, and also on the edge of a huge lake. Shay informs him that they'll need to book passage on a boat to get to Vatten, the city which is the capital of this province. Before heading off, they stay in a tavern, and it appears to be celebrating the Alafa Festival, which is a festival of love but doing a, by doing a speed-meeting event. The group is roped into participating. During the event, Salazar meets somebody from his hometown, Mushak Myong I. She speaks with him more after the event. She is caught off guard that he is traveling with others, but she appears to be doing so herself too. She takes time to talk with him and says, If you ever plan on returning to our hometown and being greeted as a friend and not an exile, then I re recommend that you stop using magic now. The further you use and learn magic, the more it ingrains upon your body. If you end up doing the purge magic ritual after learning and using a significant amount of magic, it could end up permanently hurting you or killing you. So continue on your path of magic or leave now for our hometown. 
that can forgive you for a little magic use. Either path you choose, when I see you again, I'll greet you as a friend. This is your choice. The group heads out the next morning, and they pay for passage upon a ferry driven by a tick blind named Dune. They arrive at an island city in this vast lake. This is the capital city, Vatten, of the Vatten province. Shay and Lynn go out to schedule a meeting with the governors, while the others tour the city. Salazar and Gamori look for information at the Mercenary Guild. There is a job to clear a dungeon in an underwater cave, and while in the guild, a knight of the Vatten Legion comes in, a merfolk named Omi Ika, whom they'll later find out used to be a famous bard who was called Omi Ika the Melancholy, that sang and played violin. Omi is looking to find someone as soon as possible to head to the nearby town of Ima. Someone close to her named Peste in the Vatten Legion was sent there, but they have not heard from them. Omi can't go now because of her work with the Legion, but wants somebody to check on her. Our, uh, our adventurers don't immediately take the job. They meet back up with Shay at dinner. It will apparently be a while before they can meet with the governors of this province. So the next day, Shay, Lynn, Salazar, and Gamori head to the town of Ima, which is located in the swamp, while Pox stays in Vatten to explore and research. They dock near the swamp town of Ima, and it is unnervingly quiet. They stealthily approach the town and encounter a minotaur guarding the entrance. They approach this individual, and diplomacy does not work. Something is definitely up. They attack this individual and dispatch them, but before he rings a huge bell, but not before he rings a huge bell. Near this dead minotaur, they find a dead individual that matches the description of Peste. They move for further into the city. It looks decimated, as if someone had attacked it. Our adventurers investigate and find some survivors. Lynn stays to protect them. Shay, Salvazar, and Gamore further investigate to find that there are hooded individuals doing something akin to what the individuals were doing on the island. Two of those individuals end up escaping, but one of them... One of them changing their face to look like Salvazar on the way out. Our crew secures the city, and they send Lynn to escort the survivors to Vatten. They take a rest, and then do some hunting in the surrounding areas. They come across a pair of Swania binkies, which are huge 600-pound boars, and they also eat gold. Uh, the boars. After Lynn returns with the boat, they can return to Vatten. Upon returning to Vatten, a couple of things happen. They attend a wake for those lost at Ima, meet with the governors, and Omi fights Salazar at the fighting guild. The two married governors, Su, a male Selkie, and Biaha, a male Encantados, uh, speak with our group. They say they don't fully trust them to investigate stuff happening further. Give them a couple of days and... They'll find somebody to accompany them through the province, but will also appoint somebody to conduct the research as well. One night, Salvazar wants to make some coin and goes to the fighting guild, where he ends up fighting Omi, who has apparently just been fighting person after person. She is very sad about the loss of Paste and is trying to cope.
The next day, Salazar and Gamori head to the underwater dungeon that is near Vatten. They clear the dungeon and find out that it is a prototype dungeon made by the Hopskinville goblin named Alba Cho. And he plans on franchising dungeons on the island of day as training and somewhat safe adventures. Our adventurers return to Vatten, and Omi and Gamore discuss Omi joining them on their adventures because she wants to leave Vatten. Salvazar is a little reluctant because he lost to Omi in the fighting guild, but agrees. Later they find out that Omi is now assigned to travel with them as a liaison, but was denied release from the Vatten Legion. She is to report back any findings that they make. With that, it is agreed upon that Shay and Lin will make their way through the northern part of the province investigating, while Pak, Omi, Barnaby, Salvazar, and Gamore go through the southern part of the province. They then plan to meet up in the mining town of Kalju on the western border of the province. With that, the team splits up. Our adventurers take a ferry southwest to the town of Hove. Here they find the town to be very sparse of any activity. They eventually discover that it is because there is a shady underground working literally under the city, in what is called the Underhove. The Underhove is run by a two-foot-six female gnome named Ayush Akala that knows Gamori from a summer she hung out with her. They participate in some fighting guild two-on-two fighting, in an underground fighting pit, get some leads, and receive a job offer. Also, Ayush, knowing Salvazar is from Yusin, alerts him that there is a 15,000 platinum assassination contract out on Mushak Myong I. That's about 15 million US dollars, give or take. Ayush also gives Gamori and Salvazar a job to protect a mayoral candidate in Reba at a party but the job is only for two people. Ayush secretly gives Salvazar an additional job as well. With the job in Reba being only two people, the group splits up further. Pak, Barnaby, and Omi head southwest to Rosia to investigate, whereas Gamore and Salvazar, with the chauffeur that Ayush assigned them, head west to Reba. They agree to meet up in Gaba. On their way to Reba, they encounter an enclosed wagon on the side of the road with steps and a door, and there is a sign that says Hove Shack. No magic within, and no returns. On the outside of this enclosed wagon, there are various herbs and plants growing in various sized boxes and pots that hang off the side. Upon entering, they find Ina Lau, a five foot four human with powder white skin, white and gray hair, dressed in all black. They proceed to purchase various magical items from the store. They arrive in Reba, and the chauffeur that Ayush had sent them states that they've been instructed to purchase them nice outfits for the mayoral candidate dinner party. And they proceed to get fancy clothes. Uh, they arrive at the party that night. This party has the three candidates running for mayor in the election that is held tomorrow. They're tasked with protecting one candidate, Bastion Jetson. Uh, they proceed to do so. What Gamori finds out later is that Salvazar got a separate job to assassinate one of the other candidates, Abhay Tronfeldner, and framed the third candidate, 
Celia Singh. Savitasar breaks off from the main party to track down Abya and the rest of the mansion that they are in, only to find that he's already been assassinated. So Savitasar plants the evidence against Celia in the room and returns to the party. The party ends and they return to town. In the morning, Salvazar receives a letter from the chauffeur and on the way out of town drops by a pub to secretly get his earnings for that second job. This is where we begin the podcast episodes. The first episode of Salvazar and Gamari traveling from Reba to Gaba, recounting all that I just went over. So they reach the town of Gaba and upon reaching Gaba, Salvazar is reunited with Barnaby. That night, Gamora and Salvazar talk about the secret job he took, the letter that he just received about heading to Blatt for a secret meeting, and that Mushak has a bounty on her head. The next morning, they reunite with Omi and Pak. Pak stays around the tavern while Omi goes with them to investigate. They encounter a group of orphans who ask them if they could find their missing friend. Salvazar pays for them to have some food and be looked after at the tavern while they go and look for their friend. They also find a job at the Mercenary Guild for Missing Children. Their investigation into these matters lead them into the forest. There they encounter some werewolves that save some children from a beast. The children are back at their camp, but they are currently tracking the beast. They team up with Omi, Barnaby, Salvazar, and Gamori to continue tracking the beast. Our adventurers fight a chimera, specifically one with the body of a lion, tail that is a snake, and two heads, one of which is a lion and the other is a goat. They defeat it but find that it had had killed the other group of werewolves that was trying to track it down. There was something weird about this chimera. It It had bright glowing eyes and no pupils. And when its blood is spilled, it's black and degrades and evaporates quickly. After killing it, our adventurers quickly get a sample of its blood in a vial. They then head to the camp of the werewolves, where they find the three missing children. They have been medically attended to. The werewolves accompany our adventurers and the children back to town. The siblings are returned to their fathers, who place the mercenary guild contract. Our adventurers also help to facilitate the adoption of the six other children into the werewolf tribe. After a night's rest, it is off to the next town. The crew arrives in the mining town of Vlad, situated at the base of some mountains. They set up shop at the Sad Kelpie Tavern and Inn. This is where they're supposed to meet with someone from Salvazar's letter. But first they investigate the town. They take a job from the mercenary guild to dispatch a creature in the mines. They dive into the mines and find a paluta, which this animal is about 10 feet long, and if you do, if you do not include the tail. It has a reptile-like face, and then its body is covered in porcupine-like quills. It has tortoise-like feet, its face and tail are covered in scales, and overall it has a light moss color of green but it's also acting weird and has glowing eyes. They kill it and take a sample of its blood, too. During the battle, though, it attempted to suck the magic out of Gamora via biting her. The next day comes along, which is the day of the scheduled meeting. After a, a little waiting in the dining area of the tavern, Salvazar, 
and Gamori head to a secret back room. They are met with an Adara named Alec DeCiso, with light wisteria-colored skin, with horns that extend from both of their temples and run back towards the back of their head. They have glasses on. They are also six feet tall and non-binary. They are greeted and asked to sit. There is also a Puminoid bodyguard in the corner that they do not recognize. They are asked to drink what amounts to truth serums. That compels them to answer truthfully if they choose to speak. Eventually, both Gamori and Salazar drink the potions. What proceeds is an interview about how they feel about Mushok and whether or not they are going to pursue the assassination contract on her. They assure them they are not, and then the bodyguard drops the disguise magic, and it's revealed that it is Mushok. She joins the party and Alex takes their leave via portal. The next day they head out. Our adventurers make it to Kalju, where they are supposed to meet Princess Shay and Lynn. Right before entering Kalju, though, Salvazar, while taking a catnap, has a dream about a time when he was 12 years old. He was captured by the leader of his hometown of Yusing, and he had done a prank, and he awakens in the forest outside of the town, bound. After he frees himself, he sees a tree close by that has a kunai knife stuck in it, with the knife piercing a piece of parchment. The parchment reads, For your insubordination, you have been chosen to be the prey in a game for the trainees that are a year older than you. Survive, and you will be allowed back in the city to train. Thrive, and there will be no further consequences. In the dream, he remembers how Mushok, being a year older than him, found him during this exercise, and they hid to wait out to the end of the time period. They had been friends since they could remember, so why wouldn't she help him to survive? He awakens as they are getting close to Kalju, and upon arrival they check for jobs again. There's something in the mines, and they travel down to get rid of it. They enter a huge area in the mountain, and a giant fireworm bursts out of the wall coming towards them. Flying around it, there's Lynn attacking it, and Shay is atop its head. Shay and Lynn kill the fireworm as it falls dead right near our crew. It appears normal and not affected by anything. The group catch up uh, on their current findings and decide to head back to the country of Desmondon and head all the way to the capital. Episode 7 catalogs their travels to Dorka, the capital of Desmondon. A few things happen. Mushok, Barnaby, Salazar, Gamora, and Shay head toward Dorka with no detours, whereas Omi and Lynn make detours to Vatten and John's son City to report out the current findings. It is later revealed that Omi also buys her way out of her contract with the Vatten Legion with the money earned from the various jobs they took. In the town of Rosia, Gamori and Salazar visit the astonishing and admirable aviary of Rosia. There, Gamoria purchases a familiar, Kira, the ice caladrius. Kira is a big white bird with bluish wings and huge talons that has just matured into adulthood. She is 20 pounds, three and a half feet tall, with a wingspan of seven foot four. She looks almost like a real life harpy eagle. It is later found out that she can cast ice and healing magic, whereas Barnaby the Firefox can cast fire magic. 
They also visit the hove shack again to acquire magical items. Our party arrives in Dorka. They have an audience with the queens that doesn't go as smoothly as possible because Mushark's magical disguise is dispelled. There's a party for Shay's 231st birthday, and the queens bestow a residence for, to Gamore for her work. Salvazar chooses a monetary reward. The party then heads to Desmondon. While there, Shay introduces them to Enos Davis, a human vampire that stands at five foot four. They are non-binary and gender apathetic, and Enos has light, tawny brown skin and a dark brown unkempt fro. The afro is uh, held out of their eyes with goggles that work as a hairband and keep the hair out of their face, and there's various writing utensils and a wand sticking out of their hair. They are currently wearing a long sleeve jacket and an apron, skirt, and pant combo with various measuring instruments sticking out of the pockets. This individual has been researching the black blood samples that were given to them by Shay as they pass by on the, on the way to meet the queens. Gamori and the rest of the party eventually arrive at her newly bestowed place. It is a big two-story house. She meets the staff of the residents, who are all used to be adventurers but are retired now. After getting settled, Shay is supposed to drop by with a job offer. On the first night in the new place, Salvasar drifts off to sleep and begins to dream. He awakens on the day of his graduation ritual about two months ago. He's in his quarters in Usain and he gets dressed, equipped his multiple kunai knives, and if he passes the day, he'll be permitted to venture off into the world. If he fails, he'll be executed. He makes his way to the ceremony. A lot of the city is gathering there. He takes his place with a couple other people his age, kneeling in the center of this great courtyard. Fang Denev the Ninth walks to the stage. Fang is a huge, imposing white tiger humanoid called a panthera that stands on two legs and is about six foot ten. He is dressed in white from head to toe. He begins his speech as the longest serving Doan of the city of Yusing. I welcome you all to this year's graduation ritual. If, you if our participants this year are successful, they will begin their Amdala quest out into the world. We value the ability to keep to the shadows and be unseen. This year, as it is every year, our participants must stay out of sight and complete an assassination contract on one of our own citizens here in our own town. Almost everyone in our city knows who our participants are. Everyone in our city are trained assassins and know that the graduation ritual is going on. So that only heightens how hard it will be for our participants to complete this contract. Only I know who the different contracts are on and I have sealed these contracts and no one has seen them. Our participants this year must complete these contracts within a week or I will personally rid their weakness from this planet. Everyone is now dismissed. Darkness to you all. Salvazar has handed a sealed letter, and he feels the eyes of the Doan focusing on him. He opens the letter and awakens. That morning, Gomori awakens weeping. 
she hears Omi playing her violin out in the orchard, and she approaches her. Apparently, her playing is affecting the individuals inside the house magically. Omi is mourning past day, the individuals she had lost in Emo, Ima. She asks to stay here to work through some things while they go on their next missions or missions. She also doesn't want to return to Vatten ever again. Shay eventually arrives and meets privately with Salvazar and Gamora. She says that she is the director of the Desmodon Special Forces, a secret organization that works both within the country of Desmodon and outside of it to further Desmodon's interests. She offers them a job as field agents, and they quickly accept. The first official mission after now becoming field agents in the Desmondon Special Forces is to clear a mansion of a dead vampire. Apparently this vampire was biting people against their will. What ended up getting them caught was the vampire bit a 17-year-old that was about to graduate and accidentally turned them into a vampire. Biting people without their consent is a big crime in Desmondon, but biting minors is a capital offense. This vampire was put to death, but it was later found out that there were a lot of remnants at his mansion. Remnants are someone who was bitten, contracted vampirism, then not fully turned into a vampire. They lose all their sense of self, and their personhood is gone. They become feral, consumed with only the desire to feed on the blood of living people and animals. The more hungry they are, the more dangerous they are. And they're not as slow as zombies. They are quick. So their job is to clear the mansion of these remnants. On the way to the to right outside of the city of Pali, where the mansion is, Salvazar is sleeping on the cart and has a dream. It's more of a memory, though. He awakens on the day of the graduation ritual about two months ago, and he's staring down at that paper. He was just handed with the target's name on it. Dimitra Denev, one of his closest allies, someone who is a year younger than him, someone he would joke around with and pull pranks. She gets into almost as much trouble as he does. After that, he looks at the Doan of Usain in the eyes, and the Doan smirks and exits the room. He grabs the paper and crumbles it into his hands. The Doan has exited the room, and he awakens. Our party eventually made it to the mansion, and they work to clear it. They come across some weird magic that they catalog as well, and they also loot the mansion too. With that, they make their way back, and upon arriving back, they are informed that they are, will be participating in the Rock's Full Spring Games. Shay is intel that something may happen there, she wants them there so they can recount anything that happens firsthand. They are not to interfere, though. She doesn't want an international incident. Barnaby, Kira, Salvazar, and Gamori are assigned Pipo to accompany them to Roxville Spring Games and to teach them how to joust. Omi stays behind because she is seeing a therapist that specializes in dream magic to help people cope with loss. So they end up arriving in Roxville. They complete. They compete in the games, win some of them, and the prizes associated with winning. Then, after the final ceremony concludes, the governor's luxury box appears to explode completely. 
They rush over, trying to heal anyone they can. After some investigation, uh, after investigating a little bit, they eventually leave the city. They are unsure what happened completely. Not even time to rest after their trip back from Roxville Spring Games, Salazar, Barnaby, Kira, and Gamori head to Quaid. Here they are to meet Meryl Coote, who is played by Leah's father, Scott, and his familiar Mason the Razorback. Meryl is a minotaur who has been undercover working at this underground familiar fighting ring. Salazar and Gamori are supposed to work in tandem with him to dismantle it. So Gamori ends up having uh, Kira fight and they win. They are invited into the back room where they take out the leader and his lieutenants. Meryl deftly has the place closed down by deception and they call it a day. The party returns to Gamori's house after the mission and a six-inch fairy named Dunia Treewalker is waiting to ask Gamore if her people could move into the trees of her orchard. Gamore allows this, and with that she climbs aboard her squirrel that has a saddle and leaves with her team that were camping on the porch. The party has a little downtime here to train, so Salvazar works on being able to duplicate himself with instructors at the house, whereas Gamore heads to Shay's for her to train her to use telepathy. One night, Salvazar is in a dream, and this dream is him recalling when he had to hunt one of the people that was his kind was he was kind of friends with in order to graduate to leave on his Andala quest. This was Dimitra Denev, one of his closest allies after Mushak left a year earlier. Someone that someone is a year younger than him and someone he would joke around with and pull pranks. She gets into almost as much trouble as he does, and this was only a couple of months ago. He remembers going to his lodgings, packing up all his belongings that he may need to camp and survive in the wild for a couple of days, and any extra money he had earned. He then sets out and comes across Demetra in the city, wearing the scarf that she usually does. He then asks... Uh, for them to head out into the wilderness outside of town. They small talk for a little while while they make it out of town and outside of earshot of the town. Demetra turns to him and says, What are we doing, Salazar? You've been making sure no one has been following us. He tells her about the contract and says he wants to fake it. So she puts some blood on the scarf and he gives her all his provisions and money. She heads off into the wilderness and he heads back to town. As he begins making his way back to town, he's looking around, still making sure no one is following him or saw what, what had happened. When he accidentally runs into a stick that is sharp and then impels him right in the stomach. After his initial shock of this happening, he realizes this isn't what happened that day. And he wakens to a person on top of him who just stabbed him. He is able to dispatch the attacker Mushak rushes into the room where she there was someone that attacked her as well. Apparently, there is an assassination contract on Salvazar as well. Something must be done. They believe the Doan of Yusin to be the originator of the contracts, probably because of them using magic and associating with others. A couple of days have passed since the assassination incident, and our party has been staying in Shay's mansion, one of the safest locations in the country. 
Alec de Ciso, the associate that accompanied Mushok up until she joined the party, is set to arrive soon. Once Alec arrives, they discuss what is hap- what has happened what is to happen now. It is decided that the party will try to overthrow the doing of Usine. Alec and the company Avine, they represent, offer to assist with this safely happening. This is in return for a percent of the profits of the mine that will be built there. Alec leaves the re- leaves to recruit mercenaries for the venture. Scott, Leah's father, returns as Merrill, and Gamore, Salvazar, and Merrill head on a three-day excursion to go to Alba Cho's Escape Dungeon, a dungeon built for fun. They proceed to go through parts of it and then call it a day. It lets them stretch the, their legs after being cooped up in Shay's mansion for a bit of time. Salvazar, Mushak, and Gamore try to figure out who all is going with them to Yusing. It is eventually decided that Mushak, Pak, Omi, Barnaby, Kira, Salvazar, and Gamori would go. Enos Davis, the scientist that is friends with Shay, offers her help via two experimental revive syringes that our crew is off. Then our crew is off to the port of Quaid to meet with Alec DeCiso and the mercenaries that they employed. On the way, they stop at the Hove Shack to get more magical items. Eventually, they make it to Quaid. There, they head to a warehouse where Alec introduces them to the ten mercenaries that are split into three teams that will accompany them to Yusin. They then board a ship. Mushak, Barnaby, Pak, Omi, Salvazar, Kira, Gamori, and all their hired mercenaries are on a ship heading to Chattenport, which is west of Yusin. I think I mistakenly said east in the episode. They do some preparations and planning upon the ship and arrive at the port. It is about a three days hike to the city, which is in a valley at the top of the mountain range. On their hike, they encounter some giant spiders, rock golems, some wolves, and a five or six year old pumanoid. This pumanoid is about three foot seven and her name is Ellie Cooley. She remembers Salazar and asks if she can stab him. She was sent on a mission to get someone else's blood on the dagger that she was given. Salazar gives her some blood and has her travel with him to Yusin. On the last night before arriving in Yusin, they all decide to stay in a mountain cave a couple of hours away from the city. A little before dawn, Salazar awakens in the mountain cave that everyone is staying in. He sees that Ellie's skin is glowing somewhat, and he remembers that his skin used to do this as well. He wakes up some others, and they conclude that it is what is known as the brightening. This happens to individuals that could end up being especially adept at magic. Pock teaches Ellie a simple spell so that she could should be good for now. They decide to hide Pock and Ellie somewhere on their way into town, and then the whole crew heads right into the center of town where the Doan is currently fighting in a co- courtyard. They issue a challenge, and the Doan agrees to battle both Salvazar and Mushak because he believes they are that weak. Mushak, Salvazar, and Salvazar battle the Doan of Using to the death to decide who the next Doan will be. 
Gamori stays outside the Doan Temple and finds that they have additional allies if things go badly. Mushok and Salvazar end up defeating the Doan, with Mushok ascending to be the next Doan. Mushok tries to offer space in the new Yusin province to any Panthera who wants to stay. Not many choose that option. All of Gamori and Salvazar's compatriots decide to stay in Yusin to try and help set it up for the immediate future. Gamori sticks around for a little while to help them too, and then returns to Desmodon. She has a nice dinner with Shay, and then decides to be turned into a vampire. That is the summary of the story so far. Uh, let's take some time here at the end to go over some information. I want to invite everyone to visit patreon.com slash Studios. The link is in the description. There is a link uh, there where anyone can submit a magical item that could appear in-universe. You don't have to be a patron to participate. You can even participate anonymously if you want to. While you are there, take a couple of minutes to look at the Looney Studios Patreon. If you become a patron, you gain access to the podcast early, among other perks. Thank you all to all our current patrons. You help support Looney Studios and Airtales. And Looney Studios can be found at looneystudios.com and at the social media platforms listed in the description. Please give a review on your favorite podcasting site, like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube, and submit magical items on our Patreon. The Looney family hopes that you have a wonderful day. That was a Looney Studios podcast. 